Hello, ladies and gentlemen of the internet. We are the shouty radio people. Uh, we are the ones that stir up muck and talk about the news. We regurgitate it into your sweet, sweet ear hole, if you will. Uh, That's right. It's all it's all muck. They make it, we rake it, and you will take it. Uh my God, I hate us. Uh, I'm Peter, <laughs> and I'm Pat. And uh, yeah, we're those we're those muckrakers. Um, so we were just talking about how I know that we're officially old because I'm on spring break, and the first thing I do is come home and go to sleep for like four hours. Yar. And I'm cold, and I don't want to go outside because I don't like the fabric in the jackets. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something my grand. Why don't you? Why don't you put on a jacket, Grandpa? I don't like the. <laughs> Can't you skateboard on the sidewalks? I don't like the fabric. Well, why don't you get another jacket? Because they don't sell those kind of jackets at the Woolworths. Like, <laughs> we're just easily discouraged by the slightest inconvenience. We'll just not do something. Yeah, the uh, next sign of our senility will be just like binging Fox News and being all like, Obama's up to what now? Peter, you're not going to believe what he's doing to our Trump. Do you think it's going to be like the old people that used to uh, scream about like FDR like 40 years after he died? Hey. With us and Trump, yeah. I was gonna say with us. Oh my and, God. Well, yeah, with, with us. Well, the thing about like FDR, he was on the dime, right? Was he? I think so. Uh, I'll say yes. I think it's the dime. There are like people that like if you try to hand them change, like real old people, they're like, no, sir, I won't accept a dime since that bastard FDR's face <laughs> is on it. Like, that's crazy. Like you're holding a, gr- a grudge against a depression era president. Give me two bees for a nickel, he'd say. Yeah. So we're old, man. Uh, I fell asleep reading a fascinating article on how drugs um, and drug epidemics are ravaging the Amish community. Ooh, really? Yeah, because apparently they're so they're so bored that like they're like uh, Hezekiah. This this heroin thing is awesome. Like, because they just they like their their population of kids are especially vulnerable to uh, like drug addiction and stuff like that. Jebediah, I need for you to feed the chicken while Jacob plows. Yeah. I'll be over here snorting cocaine. <laughs> yeah, they love cocaine. They like they like and honestly, I can see the Amish and cocaine working out very well. Can you imagine how many barns you'd raise if you're just coked out of your mind? We'd be raising barns like it's 1999. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd just be throwing them up. There was uh there was one kid that was arrested. Uh I think it was just for like um, they were doing some kind of, I don't remember if it was heroin or meth or what it was, but they got arrested because they were buggy surfing. Uh, oh, cool. So like, like the, uh, like jackass used to do. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. Like the buggies are going down the road. They're like, you feel that wind in your hair, Hezekiah? <laughs> like feel that wind in your face, silent Bob. And it's, it's, oh, those were the, those were the days. I feel, I feel real bad because my God, man, like. They're so bored and they're teenagers. Like, this is their natural inclination as teenagers to just do the most dangerous thing. Uh, You know, now that I'm old, I realize that the main difference between teenagers and adults is that 
adults just don't have the energy to do the dumb shit that teens do anymore. Yeah. Like, it's not that we're more responsible or smarter. We just, we can't be fucked. We're so tired. We just want, like, a good couch and the TV to not be turned up too loud. Yeah, it's it's like uh, we, we don't get into all the shenanigans because we don't like the fabric in our jackets, but we don't have the energy to go down to the Woolworths and buy a new jacket. <laughs> It's yeah. you know, and I used to think it was me. It was moving to New York for me that did it, and I'm like, no, it's not the city, man. It's me. I'm just, I'm just you, like you turn. You turned a corner. Yeah, I just turned a corner. It's the, uh, a nice, comfy corner. I just turned it, and I'm just like, maybe we'll just uh, find a park with a nice bench to sit on, <laughs> and we can feed the birds. Yeah, that's my biggest complaint right now is park benches not really comfortable. They're actually designed that way on purpose to discourage homeless people from sleeping on them. There's actually a term for that called, uh, uh, I can't remember the word, it's some kind of, kind of uh, architecture. Um, but... Bumitis. Amitis? Bumitis. Oh, no, not bumitis, but yeah, there's a specific... I, I just wanted to make up a word. And you see it a lot in New York, they'll put little spiky things on places on, near on streets yeah. where they don't want people to sit or sleep, and I'm like, man, you guys are fucked. Yep, it's like... Uh... That's a big thing down here in this town is nobody wants anyone to be anywhere. And that's why they're so strict on parking. Like, you can't park anywhere in this town without getting a ticket within, like, five minutes. So you can only go to, like, a very limited number of places, like fast food joints and park, and then just, like, walk five miles to wherever you're going. That annoys the bejesus out of me. There was a great news story that came out of, I believe, Orange County, California, one of the most affluent counties in the United States. And the problem was, like, they just, like, they have a homeless issue and, like, they just, like, their shelters are overflowing. And, like, so the way they deal with it is they they do, like, everywhere else. They argue about where we should put up another homeless shelter. And everybody goes, I don't want another homeless shelter because I don't want homeless people near me. And so people are... Homeless shelters don't attract homeless people. It just gives them somewhere to go. Then there'll be fewer homeless people near you because they'll have the shelter to go to. Well, these people are... We don't... Do they think that is this like uh, the whole welfare thing? It's like, well, if you do that for people, then they'll just they'll encourage them to be lazy. Yeah. Well, why should why should I why should I have a home if I could be homeless at the fancy homeless shelter? I bet they even have refrigerators for their food. And I think you're 100 percent correct on that. I think that's that's the entire uh, the entire point is like uh, they think some guy's gonna be like, well, I uh, I sold my home, converted all my <laughs> money into drugs, and uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna move into the homeless shelter. That's uh, well, that's, yeah. sold all my kids for drugs, and now I'm gonna go uh, sleep in the crack house. Yeah, I think that's what they think, and it's so weird to see like people that are protesting the opening of a homeless shelter. It's fucking crazy. They did that in here in New York. I used to uh, work putting ads up on the subway trains, and there was a um, area. It was a nice little like suburban area at the end of one train line, and I was uh, reading the paper about that little neighborhood. And there's a there's a picture of like they're trying to open a homeless shelter out there and all these people are like, It's a danger to the children So people are like people are protesting a new homeless shelter and standing in front of the homeless shelter are these bewildered like homeless people and families and like homeless children like wondering why people are so angry at them for being homeless. <laughs> God. Yeah. It's insane. But I'm listening to this and I'm just whispering, I'm like, hey, I have a solution. Maybe if you would just give them homes. Just like <laughs> just build a bunch of like homes and go, here you go. And then let them live in it yeah. forever. I mean, I said 
I've said this in other podcasts, but I'm totally for like everyone having the right to food and shelter. Just like it doesn't have to be great food, it doesn't have to be great shelter, but it should exist and everyone should have the right to life. And if all these people out there that have been convinced to vote against their best interests interests are like, oh, people shouldn't have that because then, duh, then, you know, <laughs> like these pe- the people that make those types of arguments tend to be people that say the Constitution. Well, the Constitution says you have the right to life right there at the start of it. So, yeah. Well, here's it is in the Constitution. I call it there's an old Abe Lincoln trick where he goes, if I make my enemy my friend, do I not destroy my enemy? And I say, if we give the homeless, yeah. if we give the homeless sweet little tiny houses, do we not destroy the homeless? Yeah. So they're not homeless anymore. Yeah, it's just weird. Well, I mean, like, nobody in New York is, I mean, in New York, in the world, especially in the United States, is as, you know, is, is as hated as, like, the idea of, like, the homeless tramp traveling town to town, diddling your kids and selling them drugs. Speaking of uh, diddling our kids, I want to take a step back to the, um, that was uh, Abe Lincoln you were just quoting, right? Yeah. If you make your enemy your friend, then he's no longer your enemy. Yeah. Why don't we, like, come together as a nation, agree that Trump is disgusting, but why don't we all just try and be his friend, and then maybe we can get him to do what we want him to do, and he'll start signing, like, bills we want him to sign. He could actually, he would be the one guy that would be crazy enough Yeah. And that's... To actually sign, you know, everyone has a right to Holmes Act. Everyone has a right to Food Act. Because, like, we saw with Roseanne and the, her rebooted show that he will take time out of his day. He will cancel all of his meetings just to call up one person who is nice to him and spend some time with her. And I said this, I think, and, I don't remember if it was... If, um, if the listeners are didn't know uh roseanne had her old show rebooted to the present day and she uh, she plays a pro-trump uh person on her show and the actual real life president called her up to say thank you for being nice to me your ratings are tremendous that's and that's the problem is i've always said his biggest thing is he wants to be liked and loved and remember we talked about a little bit on the podcast what if trump had run into run as a, a democrat would he still be would as we would we personally still hate him as much? Right. And I was saying I think so because I would still have figured out that he's really dumb. But, you know, as long as this has to be here, as long as this cancer has to continue to afflict us, why not just try to be really nice to him and see if he can actually do some good for us I for think, a change? I think the problem... It's like, think about it this way. You have a giant head tumor sticking out, and it's going to kill you. But in the meantime, why not use it as a fancy coat rack for that jacket you don't care well, about th- that much. I think the problem is even the, the idea is that... Use it for something helpful for now. <laughs> the idea is that he, he, he says that he's for... If you notice, if you pay close attention, uh, and I'm talking to you also, deplorables, if you listen, if you pay very close attention to Trump, he doesn't actually do anything. He talks a lot. He's great at trash... He's great at trash talk. He talks a huge game, right? But what happens in the end is he ultimately, like, backs off so that he can't be accused of doing anything, right? So he'll do, uh, you know, he was all, he was talking about the gun stuff, right? Then he's like, let's leave it up to the states. He was going to dismantle health care for Trump care, right? Didn't really do that. He was going to build the wall. Now he's trying to find someone else to, like, you know, take over the wall. So he doesn't really do anything. He's uh, trying to say that it's going to be a Department of Defense thing because that the uh, omnibus spending bill, which he also said that he was going to veto it, yeah, 
but the problem is is that it passed the house uh, 246 to 167 and the senate 65 to 32 so even if he vetoed it the combination of paul ryan pelosi schumer and mcconnell combining forces they could easily override his veto like they could twist like two or three arms and they would have such an overwhelming majority that there's nothing the president can do because fact of the matter is the budget is where the u.s president's power is at its absolute weakest of all the things he has influence over he runs the government kind of like the way the apprentice runs in that like he (laughs) He just keeps firing people well hold on it's even better than that so remember in the apprentice we talked about this before he doesn't actually have any power. It's the producers of the show, right? Yeah. He's an right. actor on the show. So he's basically transferred that to the presidency. He lets everybody else kind of run and fight during the government, and all he does is, like, fire people in his cabinet, and hi- that's all he's done. Yep. Is the higher the people that are actually intelligent that are running the show speaking of people that are actually intelligent the military officials that were like close-knit around him are really the ones running the show for a while but since he started firing them yeah i'm getting edgy here like who's actually going to run the government when they're all gone well i mean i think people are going to start to panic you know it's funny i've been uh I, I've, I've been teaching uh, the Great Depression. Uh, it's, all, it's all chaos. Moving on. Well, I, well, hold on. This ties in this. I've been teaching like the Great okay. the Great Depression and uh, the stock market crash and all that stuff. And what was really interesting was the stock market got real volatile, like a lot of ups and downs before it finally crashed. And what that did is that 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 erodes people's faith, right? So where the president right. comes into play in this, and that there's nobody at the nobody at the wheel, is that when it happened. Um, President Herbert Hoover was so against any, like, social welfare and anything <coughs> that he did nothing. Like, he was just, he was very laissez-faire about, oh, the, the, the economy will fix itself. It's it's up to the hands-off. Government shouldn't get involved. So he did nothing as things just got worse and worse. So the parallels between uh, Hoover being very laissez-faire and this sort of new brand of, like, far-right conservatism about how we don't want the government to regulate anything, oh, unless it's women's bodies, is very, very, like, similar to, like, what's going on with the stock market and stuff right now. So, uh, yeah, so basically the idea of having a volatile stock market, uh, and, um, because all it, all it has to do is lose consumer confidence. That's, that's all it, all it takes is enough people to want to try to sell their stocks at the same time. Now, luckily, like, we've got all these, we've got, like, the, the FDIC and all this to make sure that, like, uh, the banks can't tell you that you've lost your money. But here's the thing about the FDIC, right? About they guarantee your money in the bank to up to $100,000? Yeah, it's only up to 100000 for one thing. Well, if it's bad enough, do you think the government can really guarantee everybody's money in the bank if we start seeing massive bank die-offs? No, that's what happened at 2008. Or 2007, actually. Yeah. Whenever everything just started crashing and falling apart is... Uh... They couldn't actually insure everything because the things that insured everything all filed for bankruptcy at the same yeah. time. It, was, uh, it wasn't just the banks failing. It was that all the insurance agencies that backed up, that insured the banks and said, don't worry, these aren't going to fail unless the entire market fails. If it all failed at once, then yeah, of course they can't insure anything. They can't give you anything back because nothing exists anywhere. It all forfeited at once. Yeah, so we're all uh, we're all tied like all the institutions are tied together, and if uh, if the biggest weights go down hard enough, like even the government, like you know, we got lucky that we were able to like bail out the banks. And I feel bad because I was young and stupid enough that I was like, don't bail them out, let them fail, laissez faire. 
Um, but now I'm older and I go, yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, bail them the bail them the hell out because it what what happens and it took me a lot of studying to finally understand why the stock market crashed and destroyed the American economy. It's because friggin' banks are taking your money and gambling it on the stock market. Kind of. I mean, with that one in particular, they were bundling toxic assets and then reselling them to other banks. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, like, it's it's the best way, like, because I, I, I'm banging my head against the wall trying to teach uh, students, like, how stocks and buying on margin works. But the best way yeah. to explain the stock market is we're all gambling in hopes that these stocks go up. But as soon as, like, uh, you know, we lose faith in, uh, in, in the stock market, we're screwed. Cause... It's because, you know, money itself is fictional at this point. So, of course, the thing where you gamble all the money at is also fictional, and it's largely based on consumer confidence. Now, not there is certain fundamentals that are quote-unquote real, but we're rarely trading on where the stock market actually is, and very few people can even do the math required to figure out where that is. Most people are just kind of spitballing. Like, the vast majority of people that are trading are just spitballing, and they'll very quickly move with the crowd. If they see the rest of the crowd, like, jolt down, or if one... Like, imagine a flock of birds. If one just takes off, they're all going to take off. Yeah. Um, Even if there's no danger around. I was about to get real... Now, whether or not there's danger around is the fundamentals of the economy, but the birds are flying regardless of the danger. Yeah. I, what the point I'm getting I was to about there. to get really mad at you because there's a phrase I hate that I feel like people say when they're just like, uh, I don't have anything else to say what we're doing good in the government, and they always go, our fundamentals are strong. I'm like, man, that's what a losing football team says. Well, I was actually trying to like explain explain the math behind it without explaining the math behind it because anything more specific than that and you have to like look at individual cases we ought to do a short podcast called uh, uh... When, I, when i say fundamentals i'd be like for this particular business it's actually making a shitload of money and it's going to continue to make a lot of money and so the fundamentals of that business would be strong and that bundled with all these others they're all very likely doing well but maybe that one's not as much so but anyway, I uh, I wanted I want we got him to do a, a splinter podcast called uh, Wilda Explains It All, and uh, it's got the Clarissa Explains It All theme music, but it's just you explaining the math behind questions I have about stuff, and at the end you just hear a gunshot sound of me shooting myself. Bang. I'm not saying you don't. That's a different song. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying you don't explain stuff. while I just say like, yeah, it's it's math and it's, well, people hate math. Well, not well. Yeah, it's because we we teach it wrong. But yeah, so so the whole point of all this is that like <laughs> we're very easy to see the next. It's it's very easy to I feel like fall into the next great uh, depression. What's interesting is like I wonder if anybody else could kick it off a worldwide depression and then drag us under. Besides Trump, which by the way he's uh, he's not getting his wall that uh. Bill, the spending bill I mentioned earlier that everyone like passed regardless of what he wanted, it had no money for his wall. They say, oh, well, it had whatever. No, it had no money for his wall. Yeah, it would because it would be but, cheaper just to shoot all the immigrants. Yeah. And, uh, like, people are trying to say, well, he has a master plan. He's going to raid the Department of Defense. And these are usually the same people that hate Obama for stripping down our military and making it weaker. So it's like, well, now you're okay with it if it's this guy doing it for reasons you find acceptable? I just you know if if we even believe 
to begin with that Obama weakened our military because guess what? This is this bill that he passed is the exact same spending bill that Obama did in almost every year of his presidency. It hasn't changed. Because right now with this Congress, this obstructionist Congress, there's only one type of spending bill that can ever get through, and it's the same one that's gone through for the past seven years since the uh, since the Tea Partiers took over. That's the only type of spending bill we're gonna get. Well, that's this one that passed. Well, like, like, well, we, this will tie in the news today. So, like, it's like uh, I had another solution. So, the uh, the head of the head of Veterans Affairs. What's that guy's name? Head of Veteran Affairs. The well, he was just fired for um, someone else. Yeah. God, I can't believe we're so uh... well researched that we don't even have names. So the the head of Vet- Veterans Affairs was recently sacked, and uh, Trump. Uh, nominated his doctor to be the new head of Veterans Affairs. Yeah, the doctor. How you? How did you describe him? A homeless man that stole someone else's clothes and is posing as a doctor. He looks like a homeless man that like murdered a doctor and stole his clothes. And the fact that he murdered him is the reason why they're so like in tatters and dirty. <laughs> he killed him and he buried him. And then he goes, "Wait, I need that. <laughs> I, I need that. Take back up. I need that Take suit." Them. Takes the coat. <laughs> yeah. And then buries him. Wait, no, I need the pants. Um, <laughs> so, and then he cremates him and he's like, wait, no, I need those ashes. What, and he just smears them on his face. One of the things that we do here on this podcast is we provide solutions. And I have fixed the Department of Veterans Affairs. Oh. You know how we do it? How's that? Uh, we just give people friggin' health care. Ha! <laughs> Yeah, that actually would um, go a long way because a lot of what we're dealing with right now is the psychological care of our troops more than anything is just being heinously neglected. That's why we have so many more homeless veterans than any other type of citizen is because they're left like psychologically in shambles, unable to cope with this current society because society just kind of shits all over them and leaves them like John Rambo to wander the train tracks. Um, if John Rambo also had, uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, uh, psycho, well, I guess he did have psychosis. I was he about did. to say like, yeah, psychosis. Yeah, that, that, that was the plot of the first Rambo movie is that he was, I realize um, that fits really well. Yeah. He was just yeah, a guy that's messed up from the war. Yeah. Like, so a huge amount of homeless people are veterans. Huge amount of homeless people have mental, mental, mental health issues and a huge amount. Cause I was part of this, the bigger majority of homeless, and this is what's fascinating they're called the working poor in that they have yeah. they have full-time jobs they just can't make enough to like get into a house There's... the most horrifying thing i've ever like really looked into is the working poor that work like two plus jobs like two jobs two full-time jobs and a part-time job and all they do whenever they get home is just try to manage their kids because maybe there's someone whose situation in life used to be better so they had two or three or four kids even and then their situation got really really bad the husband took ill and died and now the wife has all the medical bills all the kids has to sell the house move into a low-income neighborhood or apartment complex and it's just barely scraping by and she has no one to turn to and she, she just has to work 24 7 to just barely provide anything for the kids yeah but and that's the life that a lot of people live and people are and i've heard the excuses all over the like we should have thought about that before you had kids and i'm like oh i'm sorry don't you don't plan for the worst possible situation i'm sorry i'm sorry time i'm sorry time traveler what 
they've done tons of studies that prove that like the just the minimum wage and like the minimum base income of jobs do not provide enough for people to like uh, not even close to live. There was a really cool multi-part podcast yeah. by I Think Frontline, and, and, and you know who is Frontline and Center uh, fighting that? Peter, who the same guy who rides the public bus. I don't know. I mean, maybe we've 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 discussed our our feelings on Bernie, <laughs> and if he's just a con man. But yeah, the the uh, the fifteen dollar minimum wage would be a good start. Now I know a lot of people are saying it would have well, been a, a good, lot of these. It would have been a good start like twenty years ago. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying, well, this is for shitty jobs where you just flip burgers and no skill jobs, and if it goes up to $15, those people just lose their jobs. Well, that's also why we've been talking about basic cost of living. Let's just go ahead and give people what they need to have food and shelter. Yeah, we have we have enough money that we could generate taxes by, by, by slapping a cost of living tax on, uh, on, on corporations or... or uh, you know what I mean? On, on different things. Like, there's ways to do it. Like, we're just, we're stuck in this. So the Frontline podcast was amazing. It was just, like, five-part podcast on poverty. And their findings were that we still, in the American psyche, have this belief, this moralistic belief, that poverty is linked to some kind of moral moral ineptitude or some kind of lack of moral fiber. That if you are... Yeah, yeah, the, the fair world fallacy. Yeah, if you are moral and are upright and you work hard and you are not lazy that you there's no way that you will end up like I did living in a the back of a truck yeah just reminds me of all the times in which people are all like, you know, I, I face reality, it's common sense, this, that, and the other. They're usually the ones that don't face reality. They're usually the ones that see life as a TV show. They found out that, like, that, the thing about... That, that goes back, again, to the good guy with the gun, right? The the hero always wins. Yeah. That's just how they perceive the world, and that's incorrect. Like, uh, someone doesn't become rich because they're good always people that there's plenty of people out there that are really good and really poor and will stay that way but these people that believe in a fair and just world believe that if someone works really really hard they'll always be rewarded for it whereas only the selfish the lazy the um, people that don't want to work will become impoverished then but that's just not true that's yeah. just not reality and they found out that like the biggest indicator of wealth or poverty a lot of times to move from move out of poverty like is just luck it's up to, yeah it's up to chance they did a uh um you know the old morgan the same way the same way the uh the stock market's just all rng random number generators it's all yeah. gambling moving up and out of your current situation in life would be all random like if uh Let's say this podcast, for instance, took off majorly. You wouldn't have to live in your truck anymore. I mean, I don't live in my truck but... now, but I had, I had, <laughs> I had quit a, I had quit a, a pretty, I wouldn't say lucrative, but I had quit a job working for the fire department to work at a hotel because I was finishing out college and I didn't really want to be a firefighter anymore, and uh, I needed more time than the my job would give me to like finish my degree, and so I just crunched the numbers and there was no way I was going to be able to afford an apartment, so like. I just I kind of lived in my truck for uh, a few weeks, and I'll tell you here's the, one of the hardest things. And I was a, I was working homeless, and I had a truck. Right, the hardest thing was finding a friggin' place to sleep. Hmm. That's oh yeah, because of the parking rules. Yeah, right? you mean like it's yeah, it's a real hard to just like that's yeah. that's what I was just talking about with um in this town, and I'd imagine in where you were, it was just as bad too. I parked somewhere to sleep once, and I'm just in my truck, just like all right, just kind of going to sleep. Cop pulls up and he's like, "Sir, uh, you can't, uh, you can't sleep in this empty parking lot." 
And uh, I just looked at him, and I was just pissed. And I go, all right, cool. Man, I was like, you know, I'm so tired. It would just be a shame if I got back out on the road and fell asleep and crashed into a fiery crash and maybe maybe accidentally hit a family. And then I survive, and they go, what happened? And I go, well, I, I tried to sleep, but this officer, what's your name, officer? Uh, this officer, <laughs> Officer Johnson, told me I had to move on even though I was tired. And this dude, like, I had him trapped, so he couldn't let me stay there, but he just goes, ah, um, if you go down on the beach, they don't really patrol there, so you may want to think about that. Goodbye. And (laughs) that's when I found out that uh, I sleep with, apparently, sleep with my mouth wide open, and I woke up with a mouthful of beach sand, so it's tough being homeless. They made you, like, go out onto the beach? Yeah. Out of your truck? Yeah. I'd have just driven out onto the beach. They don't patrol there, I hear. <laughs> just driving down the dock, driving down the beach. You said they don't patrol here. I'm not get out of my car. Fuck y'all. Your, your fishing poles are no match for my four by four. I don't but, know. But yeah, it's 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 tough. It's, four wheel drive. That's the, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really yeah. difficult being poor. And you know, I was very lucky when I was young because like my dad died. We lost our primary breadwinner when we were kids, and luckily him and mom had like gotten insurance out the wazoo. So when he died, insurance like basically paid off everything and his retirement because he got lucky and he was at work in a, um, a, a with the Department of Transportation. So his retirement and the insurance payoffs were basically enough to provide that that primary breadwinner income and luckily my mom was also employed as a nurse so we we didn't end up like you know moving to like West Virginia and living in a tar paper shack for the rest of our lives you know mm, we were yeah. we were able to keep that leg up so we were able to stay like lower middle class but if that had not happened I wouldn't have gone to college probably wouldn't be doing this podcast right now I though there is something almost romantic about the idea of like living out of your truck doing a podcast um it is until that, you can't sleep because the cops are like you got to go on the beach <laughs> right, well that's why i say it's a romance right it's yeah. not real it's just kind of idealized the reality is the first time i was in my truck and i'm just real sad because like there was a lot of stuff that my girlfriend broke up with me like i kind of like moved into her apartment because I helped her get an apartment and then she was just like I thought you were gonna like maybe more live more in your truck instead of in this apartment with me and uh mm-hmm. I was like I think we're going to break up uh because that's a terrible thing to tell your boyfriend is why don't you go sleep in the truck so my first night in my yeah. truck I'm sad and like uh the radio show on that I'm listening to was about serial killers and how they're just haunting America's highways and just murdering people at will and I'm like <laughs> I'm in a dark truck on a highway. I'm a homeless person now. People that hunt. Means you can be the serial killer. Oh, I was going to say people hunt me for fun. <laughs> I was going to say you could become the hunter instead of the hunty. <laughs> the hunter, pry- prowling America's roads, hunting serial killers. The hunt. That would be a great show. The homeless. The the base of the homeless vigilante. Uh, they sort of had that with hobo with a shotgun. Yeah, I watched part of that and got bored when they pulled that dude's head off, and I was like, eh. I don't remember it that well, but I remember watching the uh, the movie Rubber, and I actually liked that one. Is that the one about the tire that, 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 the tire that kills people? Yeah, they came out around the same time. Yeah, this is why I our believe. this is why our friendship is hanging by a fragile thread because you like the the movie Rubber. It was amazing. I watched like two minutes of that. I'm like, oh, Jesus, it's about a tire. Like, I don't. <laughs> this is what we're up to now. This is this is why our society is failing. Are, are you telling me that the, you found the plot to be too? tiring 
Yes, yes, I found. Jesus, this is like your <laughs> this is like your Ted Cruz impression all over again when you're like, I'm gonna make a bunch of CSI puns and it's gonna be great. Yeah, I actually have even more, but I'll I'll stop it there. I'll cruise away from this one. And uh, uh, speaking of being out, uh, McMaster's is out. John Bolton's in. So here's what I was confused about. I thought McMaster's was fired like a week or two ago, and now they're just saying he just what the hell happened with that. Yeah, he, uh, he actually was out Thursday, so right before we did our podcast last Friday, he was gone. Yeah, he's the. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, McMaster's is the nas- was the national security advisors advisor, but now we have John Bolton, who's a crazy neocon. He's like this cartoonish guy with a giant mustache, and he just wants to nuke Iran for some reason. And he is the biggest war hawk imaginable. Well, Bolton's he's gonna try- he is going to push for us to go into every possible war. Bolton's the yeah. one that still believes in the WMDs in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Bolton also, at one point, apparently was like, we should use that WMD thing to invade Cuba. And everyone was yeah. like, we we kind of did that thing in the 60s, and it didn't work well. Uh, yeah, but uh, uh, John, John Bolton's the guy. Now, here's the funny thing. Fox News always loves introducing him as former ambassador to the UN, John Bolton. But... Uh, he only got that ambassadorship because he was a George W. Bush appointment during, or he was a recess appointment, right? So the Senate never had to confirm him because they would never confirm this guy because he's like legitimately mentally ill. He should be homeless like all the veterans yeah. he's going to create I was gonna with say, his wars. I was going to say he should, not, be a, he should be a homeless veteran. Not out there, not out there making more homeless veterans. You notice uh, that in a position of power. He has no place in any position of power. But then again, this is entirely keeping in in line with the Trump administration from the earliest days of his campaign. This whole thing has just been one last hurrah of a bunch of miserable failures. Every fringe nut job, washed up asshole has been ostracized politician. They've allied with this orange monster, and while anyone even remotely reasonable and respectable kept their distance from him, creating this coalescence of swamp, really. Well, that's just... that's because like anybody that like wants to have a political career after this is steering yeah. clear. The only people that like he's getting are the people that got nothing to lose. Yeah, the the Trump campaign and his administration now is the house of people that never will never have anywhere else to go. Uh, holding hands with people that will never get hired by any respectable organization again. One of the great stories to come out of all of this is uh, Trump cannot find a lawyer. He All of his lawyers have quit, and he cannot yes. find anybody to represent him. Now He keeps asking, and they keep turning him down, and he actually got an amazing legal defendant recently who's been actually, for real, sending him very good, solid legal advice. Do you know who it is? Um, is it going to be that uh, that website, that like lawyer.com website, where they're like, get legal advice over the internet? That'd be amazing. But nah, his uh, his name is uh, Mueller. You might have heard of him. Wait, he's getting legal advice from Mueller? Yeah, Mueller felt bad for him, and so he's actually started to give the president legal advice, saying, maybe you should um, not do such and such and such, because that's going to really incriminate yourself. God damn it, Mueller. You, we, this world doesn't deserve you. <laughs> But come on, man, fight to win. This is why you lost in Vietnam. You got too big a heart, Mueller. I. It's uh. I'm hoping yeah. that all his advice is like you should take all the Russia documents and send them to me, and I'll keep them safe for you. 
Because uh, it's just it, it's cute watching Mueller try to help him, just because he's worried that uh, the president's just gonna be really bad for himself. Well, I mean, the big thing is a bad president is bad for all of us. That's kind of my argument with these people that are still doing that whole like na 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 na. My team won. You lost. You snowflake. My my whole thing is like, look, man, I want the country to do well. I don't care who wins. I, you know, if if Trump had been like the new orange FDR and he's just like ramming through like healthcare and turning us into a utopia, I'd be like, you know what? I didn't like the man and I still don't like him personally, but he's doing good things for people. I'd be fine with that. Cuz I'm I'm not about us and them. I'm about guys. We all have to live here, right? Like you do yeah, like they, they, like the, like the people that are pushing for war. You do realize if a nuclear war starts, that we are all screwed. Yeah, but uh, like speaking of, we all have to live here afterwards. God, I hope we can get through this. The um, I just want you to remember that, and by you I mean all the listeners more than anyone that the State Department at the end of Obama's term was widely regarded by scholars, by foreign diplomats, and by historians as one of the most professional and capable in our country's history. And that's saying a lot. Independent of you know, yours or mine own your or my feelings about Obama, and keep in mind not everyone on this podcast is a fan of his, the State Department itself Going back to really Condoleezza Rice's time as the Secretary of State, for that matter, has turned itself into a global diplomatic super predator. And do you want evidence of this success? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got Europe to hang up its to hang tight with us in heavy sanctioning in heavily sanctioning Russia for years after the Ukraine and Crimea incident, whenever they annexed Crimea from Ukraine. And that's no small accomplishment. Getting Europe to say no to Russian oil, gas, and money. Yeah. Lots of lots of people never thought that it was going to happen. Because Russia... And our State Department engaged in super heroics yeah. to quietly make it so. If you don't under, not if, easy. If you don't understand why it's hard for Europe to say no to Russia, basically, Russia controls a lot of the natural gas and oil going into these European countries. And if Russia cuts the switch off, it won't just mean like, oh man, the gas is off. Like, I can't use my stove. They will die. Like, in the winter, a lot of people depend on this oil and gas to heat their homes. So Russia could, yeah. in effect, by turning off uh, gas and stuff like that, they could basically cause, like, a holocaust. They could cause, like, thousands to millions of people to die. It would be anarchy. It would, like, destroy, like, these European countries. Yeah. So it's all a big thing to get them to go against Russian wishes. Uh, and just to cite my source, uh, some of this came from uh, some of these ideas came from Scro from MMO Champion. That's a, an amazing poster if you ever look him up. All right, so we're a year and change in, and where is our State Department now after just one and a half years? Sixty-five uh, percent of our senior official ambassadors have quit. They're having a hiring crisis. An enormous number of positions remain empty. Entire offices are shuttered. There's a real feeling that it'll take a decade after Trump to rebuild what they just had. You know, and Trump and Tillerson obliterated for no reason. Oh, no, 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 no. There's a reason, and I'll tell you why this reason. Let, hmm. You want me to tell you why they why they, they were willing to scorch the earth and ruin a perfectly good thing that someone handed them? Because uh, they're not a... 
Oh, you hate it whenever I say that quote. Yeah. Why is that? It has nothing to do with best and brightest. The idea, <laughs> the idea that, and I think this is, and I don't know how you'd fix this, but but the problem was that during Obama's uh, two terms, uh, he had no scandals. He was, as the term goes, as clean as a preacher's bed sheets, right? No yeah. skeletons in his closet. Um, yep. No, no real like snafus to 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 speak of. He was an ideal president. You know what his two greatest sins were? His first uh, his first sin was thinking that his like that his I, I feel like that like the products would sell themselves, right? So the idea that yeah. you should not have to sell people on health care and sell people on these initiatives, I think, was a mistake. Yeah, because there's a false sentiment going around that like you know you can just do whatever and let the people decide that something Fox News says a lot because they're uh, clearly just trying to brainwash their viewers into believing whatever, and they're trying to convince them to believe stuff by saying it without saying it so that if the person vocalizes the answer in their own head, it's more believable than if they were just told, but it's, you know, it's a bullshit manipulation tactic. But I think Obama was trying to do a more legitimate version of that by just, you know, letting the marketplace of ideas float the better ideas to the surface when that doesn't really work when there's an overwhelming amount of propaganda trying yeah. to fuck over people in favor of business. So that's number one. I don't I don't think so like so I don't think he was I don't think he put as much emphasis on selling the American people on these things that were good for them as he should have. One of the differences between him and FDR, because I do think that he's going to be looked at as like the second coming of FDR. Right. FDR, I could see that, yeah, yeah. FDR was amazing at selling people uh, his ideas um, because he took a lot of liberties with things that were like the whole social welfare system did not exist. FDR made that, but he sold people on it, and he still had people that were like, "This guy and his welfare." I'm like, it was a dust bowl. Did you want to eat dirt and die? He saved you, so he didn't have that set. Like you know, the big thing with FDR was like his fireside chats, which made people feel better, right? Like he sat, he basically sat them down in their living rooms all across the country and got on the radio and was like, you know what this country needs is some welfare. People just need a little, (laughs) a little hand up. You know what I'm saying there? Hey, little Jimmy. Like, so he, I love that that has been replaced with, um, Trump's like all cap tweets of do something. Yeah. I'd love to start calling those his fireside tweets. Watch it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So FDR did not sit down oh, the radio. We got, and... we got another all cap uh, tweet this week. It was um, I need allies. <laughs> I can't wait Just till his next a, tweet out is. Of context, uh, he, he needs allies in the I don't know, but he he needs lawyers for one thing. But they keep like refusing him. But I can't, I, I really hope that like his next tweet is like I fell down. I fell in the bath. <laughs> I fell in the bathroom. Help. <laughs> Is, is he tweeting from the bath? Did he fall off the toilet again? Um, yep. So Obama's, I think his greatest failure was that, like, you know, as much as I don't like some of the stuff he did, I, and he, he saved us from a second Great Depression, so he didn't sell it. His other great sin, and this is the part that's just, like, I can't believe that this is a problem in today's America. You know what his other, like, biggest sin was? The uh, this is where, like, if we were doing a video, I'd be like, I don't know, Peter, and I'm like waving my hand in front of my face. His, yeah, his other big sin was that he is black. He is a yeah. successful black president with no scandal, 
like he I hate to say this this is this I, he's incredibly articulate he was very popular and like charismatic you know what I mean like he's everything that I feel like the sort of like last dying he uses them yeah. fancy words yeah, just to the... try and talk down to me and my can exactly that whole idea he he like the idea that like this man who is black is uh, uh I believe he's a constitutional scholar like he's president like you know uh it's like how dare he be charismatic and like you know pop like people hated that because for so long you know they were sold that racist ideology of like hey you know what you may have it real bad the cows may be dying your wife hates you but you know what at least you're white so those people that were sold on that and then like pass that down to their kids and all that stuff. Now they're looking at the TV and they can't even feel good about being white because we have a incredibly we had an incredibly amazing black president and that like the only response to that to them was my team needs a win. I have to burn everything he did. I don't care if it destroys my country. And technically we started building up an incredible state department back under Bush, but, you know, it was under Obama last, so anything he did, Trump just has to undo. Like, that's been the majority of that's where I... what he's done, is sign executive orders to undo everything Obama did. Yeah. And so that's just, that's, it's infuriating if you're pro-humanity yeah. and um, kindness and compassion. But, you know, if you're a fan of, hey, look at them, they're angry, then this has been a fantastic time for you. You know, when people say that, I just, like, they get me in a place where I just, I want to just, like, I want to sit them down to my own fireside chat and be like, well. Stick their faces in the fire. I was, no, 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 I don't, I don't <laughs> I'm not like, I don't want to stick their face in the fire. I want to make them, like, listen to my own radio chat where I'm like, well, you're, God, you're goddamn right I'm angry. You bunch of fools with your shenanigans have ruined a good country. Like, they just, you're goddamn right I'm angry, and I'm triggered because you're an idiot. And, like, you are, the things, your whole my team one mentality is ruining the country and is ruining people's lives. I yeah. just want you to be happy. For, for instance, Puerto Rico and all the people that oh. are still without power. Oh, my God. Oh, my and... God. We're so we are so beyond the pale right now that New York is ba- New York. Um, I call it New York because Puerto Rico and New York are basically like I don't want to say the same place, but like they're the same people, right? I think yeah. I read once that there are more Puerto Ricans in New York than Puerto Rico. Then I'm like, why aren't they called New Yorkers then in Puerto Rico? Huh. Anyway, but New York is a sizable Puerto Rican population. But yeah, so Puerto Rico, like, and we're just still not really putting any aid in. They're a goddamn U. They're everything. They're almost a U.S. state, and it would be like if, uh, if like Texas had flooded, and then we were like, Meh, and just walked away from Texas. They don't have power. They don't have hospitals. Like the island is destroyed, and well, nothing is happening. Funny, funny enough, the. During the exact same time period that Puerto Rico was ravaged, so was uh, so was Texas, and uh, our response was a hell of a lot better, and we fixed it all up. Yeah, I can't imagine what could have been the difference there. Once again, I'm waving my hand in front of my face; you can't see it, but something was different about the Texans that made America want to go ahead and fix their homes right up. Well, the, you know, a big part of Texas was uh, we once fought a war in Texas to replace all the brown people with uh, white people. Ah. If you remember that whole uh, the Mexican American War, 
So I remember the Bowie knife. So that happened. Yeah, old uh, Jim Bowie's like, I invented a knife. And then the Mexicans were like, cool, uh, we're going to stab you to death with it at the Alamo. And he's like, I don't <laughs> like that. No, nope, too late. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's, that's, and that's the biggest thing is just like, can you imagine uh, how different things would be if Obama had been white? Because that's like the biggest thing that like they don't say, but that they just hate about him. They're like, he's so smarmy. I'm like, you just, you don't like it that like in your mind, somebody who is black forgot their station and like was uppity. And you can't see I'm making air quotes right now. Like, because remember like a lot of these old voters and like these old people and like the government were the same people that were like, segregation now, segregation forever. Like they're still around. They're still in the government. Yep. Yeah. Uh, ah, right. So uh, last time, because a lot of our podcast was um, lost, uh, this was something that was in the first recording that I forgot to do whenever we went back to do the second recording, and I just wanted to like throw it in near the end right here, if that's okay. Yeah, 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 because we're, we're coming up on the end of our podcast, so yeah, uh, carry it away. Yeah, okay. So um, this goes back to Cambridge Analytica's uh, the whole thing about them and all the ways in which they're able to manipulate people uh, using um, carefully constructed data from their personalities, looking at their likes or dislikes. And one thing that I found the most interesting was that they are actually the ones that are responsible for a lot of Donald Trump's buzzwords, right? Like, remember the um, one of the big things about him was that he gives people nicknames. Lion Ted Cruz, um, Crooked Hillary. Uh, what are some of the other ones? Um, uh, you see, you had, oh, little, lo, little, lo, little Marco Rubio. Uh, lo, low Energy Jeb. Yeah. You know, I, I talked about before, you know what made me mad about those names is they're not even good names. They're not even alliterations. As a person who was a comic that really likes insulting people, I'm like, you couldn't come up with a better name than that, and that stuck? That's what worked? Right. But uh, there was, there's one person, a Trump supporter, that uh, he, he'll deny being a Trump supporter, but he clearly is. It was one time when Trump was um, appeared to be losing. He got really mad and had like a super emotional post about it saying, well, I guess Hillary's going to win, Dan, so y'all have fun with that. And that's uh, yeah, we... Scott Adams. Now, I like reading his blogs because he was the first, actually, he's still the only person that I know of that created intelligent sounding reasons for Trump to p possibly be a good president. He was able to make a compelling argument for Trump maybe not being that bad. And so that's why I kept coming back to his posts and reading them because uh, I like the... Um, I like the arguments. And uh, one thing that he had said about the nicknames was that it proved that Trump was a master persuader because he was able to take aspects of a person and paint a very vivid image in your mind of something negative so that he could destroy his opponents with these, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Buzzword kill shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to speak. Like he was so, like, like he was a whole uh, like he was a whole advertising industry inside one man. Right, so low energy Jeb. Let's take that one for instance. That seems like a lazy nickname. That's incredibly it's, lazy. It's not an alliterate. It's not a um, an alliteration. It's nothing. But what is one of Jeb's strongest attributes? Like, what's one of the best things about him is that he's a very calm person. He's a very collected person. He's a, he. He comes off as a very reasonable person at all times. So in a time of crisis, let's say we found out that um, China's going to start sending war boats over to the U.S., who would you 
who would you feel safe putting at the helm of deciding what is the best action to take to defend ourselves from an impending attack? Jeb Bush, he's the person who would have the calm head for such a thing. Right. And what do you do with the nickname Low Energy Jeb? You take his greatest you strength and you turn it into a negative. Right. You destroy all of that by pointing out, oh, he's so just tired and he doesn't have the energy to do anything. Because what you're actually looking at whenever you look at him is a calm collectiveness. But what you're making people see is just sort of sluggish. Uh, he's not really there. He's not really paying attention. Suddenly you don't trust him at all to command the armies because you're like, oh, he's not even going to be paying attention to the generals. He's going to be looking for his next nap. Real quick, what do you think Trump's nickname for uh, um, FDR would have been, seeing that his legs were damaged by polio. Ooh, well, we know we know what type of nicknames he comes up with lately. Yeah. It's just, um, so let's see. Would it have been like old La- La- Lazy Roosevelt? Uh, ra- I was going to say Ravaged Roosevelt, but that's an alliteration. Yeah, that's too good. Um, no, old Sitting Roosevelt. Always sitting. sitting. Always, I, I like sitting, Roosevelt. Always sitting down. You know. Wi- wi- old Willie Chair Roosevelt. You know, he had polio come out of his eyes and his mouth and his wherever. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, let's see. Um, another really good one was Crooked Hillary because uh, Crooked is a double entendre. Not only is she, you know, a criminal, Crooked, but also it invokes the image of an old crone because he's saying, ah, look at that old buzzard. And so you can clearly see like a hunched over evil wicked witch lady. Yeah, like she's just so, like, like the like the fates from Greek mythology where she's like, yes, I look at the threads and cut the one when your life is over. Right. So the one thing... Oh, oh, by the way, if you ever hear someone argue that Trump's uh, just playing five-dimensional chess or whatever, that's also a Scott Adams uh, argument, right? Like, he's so smart that he's able to pretend like he's losing in order to ultimately win. That's one of his arguments, and it's all based on, like, the linchpin is these persuasion things, these persuasion tactics he's able to use. Yeah, he's like a chess, a political chess master. Right. But... Turns out it was actually the entire time, every single good nickname he's ever come up with, it's all been Cambridge Analytica oh, the Cambridge, entire time. All Cambridge shitbird Analytica that stole yep. 50, was it 50 million people's Facebook 50, user data, crunched the numbers, and used 50 it? Million. 50 million. 50 million. So it was, a, it was basically a data company that stole our information and used it to hand this dude, like, these dumb names. Yep. And I mean, even he admits this himself that um, all these things came from Cambridge Analytics during one of his campaign rallies. He's saying that they gave him uh, this little catchphrase that he said that he didn't like himself. He's like, oh, that seems so hokey. I'm not going to use it. But I used it in a speech at Florida and the crowd went wild. It was drain the swamp. And that's what makes. So there we have like one of the big things. Um, besides, make America great again. It was drain the swamp. That's what oh, makes. By the way, make America great again was stolen from um, what's his face Reagan. That's what. So. That's what makes me so mad. Is like we used to have politicians that would say things like, "The only thing that we have to fear is fear itself." We went from that to like, uh, "Lion Ted Cruz," and I'm like, "Oh Jesus Christ!" I grab him by the pussy. I don't even wait. Yeah, you know I've got the best pussy grabbers. Tim- to, to make, and everyone is saying, "Oh, they're they're upset at his language because because and these are the same people that read Fifty Shades of Grey." 
yeah, people like to make weird comparisons. I'm like, that's a fictional book. What does that have to do with Trump being a real human being that's sexually assaulting people? Yeah. That's, man. Yeah. So that's uh, that's about all I got to say about that. Uh, yep. Uh, you know, uh, Mama said this was my special vote, and if I voted for Trump, he could take me anywhere. <laughs> I love that one. All right, so, um, you know, we said that uh, we would give people a uh, shout-out if they gave us uh, oh, I forgot. Do you, do you have the list? I forgot the list. I have the list. All I right, all right. Uh, give us the first name of the person that went on and gave us a rating on iTunes. The name of the very first person that's given us a rating on iTunes is Powell Not Found. Powell Not Found. I actually know who this is, but I won't reveal his identity to the world. Powell Not Found. Ode to you, sir. You are a you are a beautiful human being with a lush mane of hair and a dazzling smile. We should all be so lucky as to bask in the glory of your bright, beautiful eyes. Thank you very much for your contribution to the cause. Who's our Who's our next person that gets a nice little compliment here at the end of this? That, that's all so far. <laughs> well, I will say we got we got there was at least one more on um, on Stitcher. Uh, oh, I gotta, I gotta go check that too. Then okay, I'll have a more comprehensive list. So next I, week. I have check well, I, iTunes. I have the one from from Stitcher. Uh, I will not reveal uh, her last name because I, I'm still bad at pronouncing it, even though I've known her for years. But we will say, Alyssa, you went on to Stitcher and gave us a nice comment and a, a super nice rating. Uh, to you, ma'am, we say that may we all live to be as kind and wonderful, as charming as you are, and may you continue to inspire future generations with your example of wonderfulness. You're a scholar and a gentlewoman, ma'am. Or a gentleman. Or a gentleman. We, uh, you know what? It's whatever you want. A gentle person, if you like. It's up to you. Uh, we assign no gender roles here at those muckrakers. We assign a few. Okay, so we. It's, all right, I can't. It's, it's a lottery system. I can't. Yeah. All right. It's yeah. It's a lottery system, right? That way, it's totally fair. Listen, we don't assign the genders; they just pop up, and then we just throw it out there. So uh, right. follow us, guys. Follow us on iTunes, on Stitcher, we're on Google Play, uh, anywhere uh, iTunes um, uh, podcast can be found. Uh, we're also on SoundCloud. So we do this thing where, uh, as you just heard, if you go on, give us a, like a, a nice little rating, a little comment, because it really helps us out to get more uh, more listeners. Uh, we take your name and we say great things about you. Are you gonna? Yes, we do. Yeah, I was like, are you gonna add in add, add into that? Or are you just gonna just leave me hanging? I'll just leave you hanging. All right. Well, uh, that's that's it for this week's episode. Do you have anything else that you want to plug? Uh, not really. Uh, we didn't cover the Russian diplomats. That's ah, great. We'll cover that some other. We time. we can never we can never cover everything because there's simply not enough time in today's fast paced news world to cover all the news. But we cover everything right. we can. We're doing the best we can here in the time allotted, guys. We're just we're just two dudes in a closet. Like there's only so much we can do. Uh, one of us is in a closet, and Peter's physically in one. So <laughs> Peter's in the closet, and then he pulled out his gun. So we better run. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to uh, Muckrakers. And remember, if uh, you're not fully dressed, I'm not doing that one. Robertson used to do it. <laughs> God, I hated that so much. <laughs> Robertson was the old principal, right? Uh, vice principal. Well, I guess we'll end it on this. You know, uh, Obama was my best good friend.
Obama could take me anywhere. I don't know. I just I wanted to do something with uh, with Forrest Gump, but I guess the best thing to leave it on, if we're going to leave it on with a Gumpism, is, uh, well, that's all I have to say about that. Thank <laughs> you.